I felt like a hero. I, I mean, that's why I went into medicine because I yep. wanted, I wanted to be a healer. I wanted to feel powerful, right? You, I want to make you better. This is episode number 106 with Joy Kong. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm a real estate investor, lifestyle entrepreneur, and the co-host here, along with my partner, Gold Star Wife, author and speaker, Barbara Allen. And each week, we are committed to bringing you an exceptional American or story that will not only inspire you, but one that can also propel you into action in your own life. Every story we feature provides a wealth of information, wisdom, and insight that you can use to define, build, and live your own American dream. And whether they are celebrities or small-town heroes, each guest is a shining example of the American spirit and proves that with hard work, focus, grit, and determination, and never settling for easy, that you too can design any life you choose. And that brings us to today's guest, Joy Kong. Joy Kong could teach an entire course on how cold calling people changed her life, but she's way too busy for that. The Beijing-born American actually used the Yellow Pages to get out of China, and she risked her life to work in Tibet, all as a means to come to this country and fulfill her American dream. And today, the triple certified medical professional who was once rejected entry into America is now earning awards for her groundbreaking work in stem cell therapy. She owns her own company, donates time to help veterans, is about to release her first book, and is on a mission to change the medical profession's acceptance of stem cell therapy. So listen in as Joy Kong shares her incredible story of tenacity and passion and what she's learned that will help you crush your own obstacles in life. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Joy Kong. You are listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Very, very excited to be sitting down today with Joy Kung. We got to meet Joy out in Texas when we were at an event from a fellow um, guest that we've interviewed on American Snippets before. So we especially love it when our American Snippets community introduces us to one another. It's a pure sign that we are on the right track and going and we just meet more and more awesome people. Like Joy, she's been named the top doctor of the year in stem cell therapy for 2019. She is a not once, not twice, but three times certified board physician. Are you kidding me? In the fields of psychiatry, addiction medicine, and anti-aging and regenerative medicine. Then, because, you know, that was not quite enough for her, she went on to establish Chara Biologics and developed her own formula, which is now the most comprehensive and potent stem cell product on the U.S. market. Born and raised in China, she is definitely a value-added addition to this country. We are so excited and proud and grateful to have her here. Joy, thank you so much for being here. I cannot wait to jump into your story. Thank you so much, Barbara. That was such a nice introduction. <laughs> well, it is all true. I can't make this stuff up, right? I can only <laughs> you know, to the best of best of the ability. And so you made it easy. So let's get going. You have a huge 
deal of information about you. And when I got to meet you and everything that, you know, when I dig in, I start doing the research, one common theme, I mean, if your parents did not manifest the joy that comes out of you or create it in your name. I mean, they could not have picked a better name for you, I think. <laughs> everything you do is 100% centered on that. I like to think, you know, I'm not a big fan of my name. Bar What's a Barbara? I don't know. I've never, I struggle with that, right? But your joy and you just stepped right into it and you just, like, you personify the word and everything you do, even naming your company and your product after it. So talk a little bit. It wasn't always easy for you to maybe hang on to that joy and you've managed managed to do so. Can we get into first the, the personal side of you and then we'll go into the professional thing. Let's take people through your walk of life. What led you to become this person who comes to the United States and achieves all of these amazing things that so many people who are born here um, would never pursue and follow and, and push as hard as you have? Born in China, let's talk about yes. that. Well, uh, the day I was born was actually my parents' wedding anniversary. So I insisted on being born that day. So my parents actually named me Double Joy. So mm -hmm. I was, you know, I, I was ab abundance in joy. And uh, so I, yeah, I'm always a very happy person. But, you know, when I was writing this book, and actually reading through my journals, because I kept very detailed journal from age 13 to 36. So um, that was my best friend. And I was going through some very tough times, as you will read in the book, uh, it, it, ha it had not been easy. So even though at the, the hardest times, every time in my, in my journal, I will talk about how confused I was, how frustrating it was, and, or just, you know, sometimes I was, I was angry. But at the end of each entry, I always said, Joy, you're going to kick ass. You can do this. Wow. It's just funny that almost every entry at the end is a positive, is lift me up, you know, let's go. Um, so that's why the journal was so therapeutic for me, because every time when I write and when I go through, go around this, this journey in the end is always let's go. <laughs> that's awesome. And we're definitely, definitely going to talk about your book. You have two books coming out. One is on stem cells go figure. And the other is an autobiography, which is something uh, that we can absolutely dig into here. The autobiography is going to cover some of your personal story from your time growing up in, you know, where you're born with your family in China and what prompted you to come here to the United States. What was that decision like for you? How did you make it? How did you make that leap? How did that all go? So talk about you were raised kind of in, in an un, not, not unusual, like kind of crazy, but certainly not a normal, like typical environment, right? You were raised in one of China's top universities and surrounded. Yes, yes. My dad's a professor. I was yeah. born and I went to elementary school, high school. Everything was done on that university campus. So that really, that, that was a home environment for me. So very intellectual environment, very polite um, and diverse because people from all over the country would, would be there. So, so it's a little microcosm of China. So I definitely, um, I, I talked a little bit about it, about my childhood, but the, the story really started with uh, the first scene of the book is me at the American embassy trying to get my visa and getting rejected out flat. <laughs> Why did they that, reject you? That because I didn't know anybody in this country. 
the people, only people I knew were my parents' students because we're both teachers. Uh, we didn't have any other connections to, to America. And um, because any foreign person who want to come to the U.S. have to have someone to fill out this affidavit of support, basically saying, if you become destitute, the American government is not going to be responsible for you. This person is going to help you out. Um, so the the consulate, I mean, the, the, the consulate do not believe that my mom's student would do that for me. And she's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so even though I got a nice scholarship from Clark University, that didn't matter. He just, uh, yeah, he stamped my passport denied. Um, so that's how it started. Wow, <laughs> oh, welcome. Welcome, George. <laughs> So Mark I mean, not going to stop me. Just no, I make this clear. Nothing is going to stop me if I want to do something. I I figured that out about you within the first <laughs> ten minutes since I met you. So, uh, so what? I mean, what even made you decide that you wanted to come? You know, leaving anybody. I spent a year in another country when I was a teenager. You know, as an exchange student, and that was great and it was fun, but it was like terrifying for me, and I missed this you know, our country, and it was hard for me to that never have our own, you know, there are just like comforts of home that you miss and all that. So I don't think it's easy for anybody, no matter how exciting it is to just leave one home and, and go to another. How was that for you? Like what yeah. was so strongly driving you to, to come here? Um, I think, you know, I, I grew up in a changing times in China. So when I was uh, maybe 12, um, that's when I first entered uh, junior high. That's the first time when I even heard an American song. I mean, we were so sheltered or so protected by the government yeah. that uh, that we didn't even we didn't know what outside world is like. So that was very interesting when I heard the first song, saw the first movie, um, at the TV series Man from Atlantis. I was just kind of enchanted, wow. and um, um, and then. You know, there's a sense of, you know, things seem to be uh, more possible in another country. There's there's something that's that's, you know, they're, they're doing something better than what we're doing. I thought China was the best at everything before we actually <laughs> open the door and see what's outside. So yeah. I was like, oh, what they did better. <laughs> so well, I want oh, I can't have that. Oh, no. How can they be more advanced than us? Yeah. So <laughs> I wanted to figure out. And also some of the best talents in China have gone abroad. So my parents, some of the most brilliant students were able to make it to Amer mostly America, you know, some went to Canada and, and, but mostly to America. And, and I, so I was like, you know, I want to do that too. You know, these are the, 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 the best and brightest of China. And, uh, you know, I want to see what's out there. I just, so there was a, a lot of this visceral, is this gut feeling that I wanted to be there. And I, I never cared about that it might be difficult. I didn't care. I was like, oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to make it. I'm going to wash dishes. I'm going to sweep the floors. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to survive. I'm going to get my education and I'm going somewhere. <laughs> wow, that's so great. How did your parents feel about that when you told them, hey, I want to leave and go yeah, far away? Yeah, my parents are really amazing because they're, they're very open parents because, you know, they, they, they're intellectuals. And uh, they always said, Joy, whatever you decide, we're going to support. Actually, when I was first year in college, when we found out that I had to make a decision to leave China um, because I, government had a new policy, either I could leave before the third year of college 
or I had to finish my college and work for five years for the government. And then I was able, I will be able to leave. So I had to make a decision right there. And, um, and that, that was not part of my plan. My plan was finish college and then come to the U.S. for graduate school because there's, it's much easier to get a scholarship, you know, get some kind of, you know, stipend for, right. for graduate school. But undergrad, that means uh, I, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't know how I would be able to support it. The only way would be to get a scholarship. And that was very difficult. Uh, and still, there will be a gap, you know, still will be, um, you know, um, living expenses that I, I wouldn't be able to, 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 to afford. So my parents, um, what they said is, um, Joy, if you do want to go abroad, you want to go to America, we will um, give you our entire life savings and borrow the same amount so that you will have about $1,000 of cash on you. Wow. That's the kind of dedication that my parents... Um, wow. Yeah. So oh my goodness. So basically I said, yeah, I said, I, and then when I told them I'm going to go, they said, well, we're completely behind you. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So did you speak English when you arrived here? Yeah, I understood. This is the first time when I went to a class, I understood about 70% of what people were saying. Um, I was pretty good in English um, before, you know, when I got here. Um, I just I always had a knack for somehow English. And uh, so so I was, uh, yeah, I, I was doing good. But there are a lot of things I'll be at a loss, you know, when people started talking about uh, you know, culturally relevant subjects. I would just be like deer in the headlight. I, was, I had no idea what they're talking about. So there's a lot of learning, catching up to do, which was fun. Yeah. I mean, were people, were they nice to you? How did you ultimately get in? How did you get that that passport approved? Oh my God. That's, that's a whole story. Uh, so it's very uh, circuitous. Um, so, okay. First of all, the book, the, the first chapter, what well, maybe that was the second chapter. So I was rejected. And I got pissed off that someone would reject my application when it was not because I wasn't good enough, just because I didn't know anybody. You know, my grades, you know, I got a scholarship from a good university and then they rejected me. And, and it, it was really difficult to even get to that point. And because even before I started, my student and my friends were like, uh, why are you even trying? This is next to impossible. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I just, I feel like it. I just needed to try it. <laughs> so, so when that was rejected, um, at first I was feeling down for three days because I, I was in shock. And then I got really pissed off. Um, then I, I thought, you know, who are they to tell me I cannot go to that country? And my only obstacle was that I didn't know anybody. I said, fine, you know, I'm going to know somebody. So that's, uh, I just picked up the phone book. <laughs> and, uh, no, you did it. You could call the American hotels in Beijing. Yeah. So the story went on from there. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask, and we will definitely go into everything up, but now I can't just leave, be hanging like that. You could just pick up the phone book and start calling random people in America. Yes. Yes. What would you say? So my phone rings. I say, hello. Hey, how are you? Are you, are you in China? Are, where are you, you know, which country are you from? Do you want to learn Chinese? You know, I can teach you Chinese. So I figured if it's American, or, or another foreigner, I say, hey, you want to learn Chinese? If it's Chinese, I say, hey, you want to learn English? I didn't care. I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I have never heard anything like that. That's great. So, uh, like, how many people did you have to call? 
Oh, I called uh, quite a bit. Yeah, the, the operator was very patient with me because uh, you know a lot of rooms are empty, right? And then I just call right back. Operator, give me room one hundred six. <laughs> Nobody. Well, give me room one hundred seven. <laughs> and they just did their job. They just kept, you know, sending me to different rooms. Um, I called a lot of rooms. I met a few creeps. Uh, I talked about that in the book too. And then uh, <laughs> oh, I cannot wait to get this book. Okay. And then ultimately, someone conversed with you, and you yes, you yes. leveraged that into them signing. Yeah. I ended up getting a job. Um, yeah, I, I, getting a job as a tour guide. So that was, um, I ended up in Tibet actually. So, so that's, I well, that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love this. I love this because, and I've talked about this with other people, but this is one of the most fascinating ones because there's sometimes when you want to get from A to B, people get stuck thinking I'm only going to go from A to B. Right. But, and if you have right. to detour, they consider that a failure or a reason to stop. So you're heading from here to here, but first you had to go over here. Oh, yeah. Had yeah it, and then okay. what? I'm here for the ride. Yeah, <laughs> and then what? So how did you get from Tibet to America? Oh, then I met somebody. Nice. Yeah. You always need angels in your life. Yes. You know, whichever form they come in. Um, the angel I thought I met turned out not to be such an angel. So that's also part of the book. I mean, that happens too, yeah. but, but he served a purpose. He helped you get to America. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, and you know, it was a good lesson. It was, it's a good lesson. I think um, a lot of people can learn from yeah. um, as far as understanding people um, and, um, and how to get away from situations that are detrimental to to your very soul, basically. Yeah. That is, that's just a huge one. And I feel like I could pull you over and like sit you down. We could have an entire conversation on that. I have, you know, I have a tough personal story myself, five years and what turned out to be, I only like later realized actually an abusive relationship, you know, like destroyed my life, you know, and it took me forever, forever to get out of it. So, um, so when I hear those stories, you know, I kind of like sense like the undercurrent in there. And, and I love that you found the strength to, to do what you need to do and, and to move forward. So we'll fast forward through that, although I am going to read all about it in your book. <laughs> um, and now you're in America, you're, but you're essentially on your own. Yes. And so you're here in this country. Were people receptive to you? Were they, you know, did you encounter any kind of, yeah, the thing I is, I think one thing about me is I'm a ve I'm very adaptable and very positive. Yeah. Uh, so I think wherever I am, I'm going to do pretty well. But um, but th there has been a difficult, you know, you know, instances like in San Francisco. Um, some old lady uh, caught me a chink, and I didn't understand what that meant. Actually, I was riding my bicycle. I, I think I was a little fast. I almost ran into her, but I, I avoided her, and I said, "I'm so sorry, so sorry." And then she said, chink. And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, I don't know, but I remember. So I went back and asked, and was like, what? someone called me chink. I apologize on behalf of her. Oh, that's okay. It's part of, you know, yeah, the, you, you have to earn your, your, your membership of this country. So the, I, um, um, like in Los Angeles, I mean, I've been in Los Angeles since 1990, so 20 years. Um, and I hear a lot of people complaining, oh my God, LA people are so superficial. Um, it's so hard to make friends and people are just, you know, they're not genuine. I said that I, 
that's not true, you know, like, yes, there are fake people, but there are a lot of great people, there are a lot of nice people. So I think your attitude really determines a lot on, on, on what you actually experience. Absolutely. So now you're three degrees. In what order did you acquire the, did you learn those? Uh, yeah, three, three specialties. So I went to UCLA yeah. for medical school and I got fascinated by, by, by psychiatry. You know, I was always interested in the brain. I, I was thinking about doing PhD and I was going to do neuroscience. So, so I was going to, I was, I thought I was going to do neurology, but neurology at, as it was practiced, uh, it's a very depressing specialty because you can be really good at diagnosing, but the kind of therapy that's available makes it, uh, you're pretty much helpless. So as a doctor, there's not a sense that you're actually helping people's lives. And then I got into uh, a psychiatry rotation. I was like, wow, not only is fascinating the human brain, what the kind of information it can generate and the kind of, uh, you know, tricks that it can pull a person into, but also the medications worked. It, it, there was a tremendous tool, actually, as as many satisfacts as some have. But I, I saw it really, really can help transform people's lives. So I got really excited about it. Um, and so I went into psychiatry and, and then I was interested in, in addiction. So I got another certification in addiction medicine. Um, and then I realized, you know, I, I, I've always been interested in the holistic approach to health. It just kind of part of my makeup, you know, growing up in China and never even having a sense of boundary between Eastern and Western medicine. I, I knew they were different, but at home, we just practiced both, uh, whichever worked. You know, we have a huge medicine drawer and everything's all mixed together. My mom would diagnose us and, and go into the drawer and grab one that works. <laughs> So she would, you know, depending on the situation. Yeah. So, and, and, and then um, at UCLA, I also, you know, took an elective about East-West medicine and, and really got a better idea of why, you know, how differently Eastern medicine, you know, work, which is looking at body as multiple systems all interacting. So basically like a web, it's looking at a system as a web, which is not the way Western medicine looks at the body. The Western medicine looks at body as many linear systems that are coexisting next to each other. So, so to me, uh, I, I knew, you, you know, yes, each system, you want to understand each system, which is the value of Western medicine. You, you're really clear on how each system function, but then everything is in, interacting with each other. So Western medicine has not gone into that step yet, understanding the, the entire complex interaction where something like Eastern medicine or later on uh, what the Western medicine has adapted, I think adapted from Eastern medicine and from science is what's called functional medicine. Uh, it's also called integrative medicine or anti-aging medicine. They're all like different shoot branches of the same philosophy, which is looking at all different factors that can affect multiple systems. So, so you get to, to become very holistic, uh, although it's still based on science. So that's what I liked about these branches of medicine is that you utilize the holistic approach from Eastern medicine and some of the herbal formulas and some of the thoughts about different systems, but then all their evidence and all their, um, their, their practice is based on science. So that's what I got really excited about. And then um, and went into anti-aging uh, and regenerative medicine. So the regenerative part is, is probably the most exciting because it's transformative. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a paradigm shift. We had never before used intelligence 
to heal people. This is this is the first time we're actually giving you a a, a sentient a cell. A cell has ability to sense the environment and uses DNA and and start to produce different proteins and different molecules to interact with the environment. We never had that before. We had molecules, we had herbs, herbs are a combination of molecules, it's, but it's not responding to you alive as a form of life. So when, when, when you can use cells and actually talk with a person's body because the cells are alive. It's a whole different way of healing. So that was, um, yeah, that, that just really got me hooked. <laughs> and then once I started treating people, I felt like a hero. I, I mean, that's why I went into medicine because I, yeah. I wanted to be a healer. I wanted to feel powerful, right? You, I want to make you better. And then the way medicine has been practiced, um, anyone who treats chronic illnesses. So emergency physicians, great. You know, we're surgeons, you know, if they can cut, you know, that, that's great. But for everybody that's treating chronic conditions, I think there's a pervasive sense of helplessness. And I think that's one reason there's such depression rate in doctors. There's also high suicide rate in doctors. It's not fulfilling. So I was tired of it. So when I actually found something and I realized it worked so well and it wasn't even that difficult. It was so elegant because the cells did all the work. And I, I felt mean, like a million is, bucks. <laughs> it is difficult to grasp for someone whose mind isn't like geared or trained and all that. You know, it's a highly specialized area. So, you know, don't downplay what you have to have going on for you and work work at to understand. You know, it is something when you get down into the nuances, you know, the the basic common concept is something I think most people can grasp, but then when you start breaking it down into cells communicating and how they communicate and all that, I think like it's it's just sensory overload for a lot of people because we all have so much going on and all, you know, and all that and so it's just like a bombardment of such in-depth, complex information, which is fascinating, but um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And how okay. you've taken it <laughs> and specialized with it, you know, um, it, it's just, it's just great. Um, and you, and you, it is fascinating. I've known people. You're, you're right. It's, it's true because um, the more I learn, the more complex it becomes. So I, you know, I, I know when I provide the treatment, it seems so simple. It seems so elegant, but there's so much that goes into it and so much that's behind it. And, okay. and that's why I actually, I've gathered so much information and, and so much knowledge just by trying to understand things. And then okay. I realized most doctors who are providing stem cell therapy don't even have that knowledge. That's why I founded the American Academy of Integrative Cell Therapy. I, I thought I better get this knowledge out. You can't just end here. You know, I want everybody yeah. to know about it. You know, people are doing therapy without really understanding enough about the science and the nuances. And, and there's so many factors that go into it. So I, that's, that's how I started teaching, you know, so, so Yeah, and yeah, that's exactly it. You know, even doctors, I think you're given, and you know, not all doctors, but in any profession, right? You're given a tool. You're you're told, hey, this is going to address that issue, and maybe you don't necessarily understand the nuances of that tool or how, or how every person individually is going to respond to that because nobody's people have to respond have different things about them that are going to mean that they respond in some kind of different way. I would imagine there's no universal response to stem cell therapy if it's and no. no universal application. So that's what I mean. You have to take the time, 
you know, when, when, as a patient who's had a, a ton of, you know, issues and had to go to the doctor and had family and it, it's very common to see a doctor, even if they, they care, you know, that maybe they're just overwhelmed or overburdened, but they come in and you're there for, they're like looking around here, around there and not mm-hmm. listening. And when you don't pay attention, you know, for some, it's so great to hear how you dial in and yeah, I could tell how your energy and focus must be on that specific patient and that specific treatment. And I love that you there as a professional, credible, certainly accomplished, are now talking to other doctors. Do you know as a patient how refreshing that is to hear that um, that there's a voice out there saying, hey, doctors, like there's ways and pay attention and stop and take a breath and really understand and care about what you're doing. What's the reception you get in general from from other medical professionals? Are they, you know... Are they open to hearing from you? Yeah, uh, I have to say there are some people who are extremely open. And these are usually the doctors who are already doing uh, forms of therapies that are not typically, you know, employed by by the traditional medical right. <laughs> upbringing. Uh, so these are doctors who are already practice integrated medicine, you know, functional medicine, anti-aging medicine, all that sort. And also some... Um, um, some orthopedic, uh, you know, doctors are, are, are more open and, uh, um, I would say, um, possibly plastic surgeon, not, not so, not, not so much, but, uh, I think there, there's still a little, it's going to take some time, but as far as vast majority of doctors, 90%, if you ask them about stem cells, um, they will say, oh, there's still not much evidence out there. Yeah. <laughs> when I- when I teach the courses, people take uh, over 200, 200 papers with them. Wow. It's full of evidence. Evidence is, there's so much evidence, but no one is looking. So Why do you then, think that is? Why do you think that they're like so easily? Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I didn't even realize how pervasive, um, you know, I hope I won't get shot by the, because of this, how pervasive oh. pharmaceutical companies uh, are yeah. in medical education yeah. and the entire... Um, I, I mean, I found out about this later. I, I, I was very uh, innocent and naive when I was at UCLA, you know, studying medicine. Mm-hmm. I believed in, you know, I, that, you know, the government is doing everything they can yeah. to protect the public. And then I realized, you know, uh, how pharmaceutical companies had a big say in medical education, how many faculties m- members are connected to pharmaceutical industry. And um, how residencies, of course, the moment we got in residency, all these pharmaceutical companies are, they, they're targeting us right away, taking us out to dinners. And, and later on that was banned, but, but they used to take, you know, you know, residents to, on trips and, you know, to wow. like they do all kinds of stuff, right. To, to yeah. build that relationship and, and tell you how great their product is. And then you go to professional conferences and who are the people who are, you know, setting up the booths and supporting the conference. Um, so the, the, these, you know, when there's money, right, then there's yes. certain power behind it. So when you yes. rely on their money and also FDA, so much FDA's budget comes from the pharmaceutical companies. And I don't know if you saw um, that the newest FDA uh, uh, commissioner just you know, went on to to go on, become a head of, a, a, you know, like work for big pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical yeah uh, and that's uh, that's a tradition so it's yeah. not it's not an exception it's a tradition so so wow. that I, I think it's uh, you know there, there's little incentive to change the current system right, right. because it's working because they're making tremendous amount of money 
But people aren't getting better. No. Yeah. People are dying. Yeah. People are actually dying. I yeah. see people suffering and dying needless, needlessly. And there's no wonder. There's like, well, I don't know. You know, stem cells are not FDA approved. It's well, you know, I'm, I'm working on that, but right. you're going to rely on that to make your decision. Right. Um, you know, your own life is at stake. But I see people make those kind of decisions every day and they're yeah. entitled to, uh, but it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it must be when you know that you have something that has a high potential of helping them and you're restricted, you know, you're prohibited from, from helping them when that's your nature is what you want to do. It must be yeah. very frustrating. And that's a part yeah. of being a doctor. Um, you know, if, and any doctor will know throughout yeah. your career, um, there are people who don't want your help. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm not always a hundred percent good about following my doctor's you know, guidance or advice either. Right. Because you just don't have time for that. But uh, sometimes, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, you know, physical therapy and all this. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to physical therapy. I don't have time to go to physical therapy. I'm just going to make myself better, you know. But um, but when I think when it comes down to something so crucial like that, I have a good friend who uh, lost her life last year as a result of two rounds of treatments for two types of cancer. And ultimately, it wasn't the cancer that killed her. It was a result of all the treatments that she'd been she'd been given. And, and I remember her specifically, her saying in one post, I don't want to be a guinea pig for the pharmaceutical companies, you know, to, to make money on. She's like, I just want to get better. And she was frustrated and yeah, it, it was devastating and difficult to see. So I think it's so important that we have people like you out here. Um, and the irony of you like actually working so hard to come into this country and you were rejected and you just forced and pushed your way through. And I feel like you are one of those angels kind of sense to, <laughs> to us, you know, who's going to kind of pave the way for, for others and to make an impact in an area that is so important to be impacted. And you also find the time to donate your time and give back. You're on the board of one company, at least, right. You're on the board of a verb. Uh, Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah that's helping. Talk talk for a second about that company because that's a new company um that's just out to help and it's it's one of the I hope I hope it's a indication of more companies we'll see popping up along the line that have this treatment. Talk quickly ab uh, about that and what they're doing and why you got involved and then we'll go back to everything else. Yeah, I I think the the founders Verve really have seen how, uh, you know, so, so it's a, it, it, a lot of their mission is to get therapeutic CBD out there to people because they've seen how much it had helped, uh, especially the population of veterans. So they're very much um, oriented to, toward helping the veteran community. And I'm also a big supporter of, you know, of the veteran community. I, I got my residency training at the, the VA and I, I mm -hmm. love working with veterans and um, I had married veteran before. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I, and I, I know that there are many alternative forms of therapy that can help these veterans. So one of the things that CBD was very helpful for is when people suffer from uh, traumatic brain injury, PTSD and, and anxiety, and that could, can be tremendous tremendously helpful but it's helpful for a lot of a lot yeah. of uh, you know all kinds of conditions um in a way it's very similar to what i'm doing with stem cells you know both are kind of at the frontier and on the fringe but yeah. eventually both are going to become mainstream 
Um, and both are incredibly powerful and very safe, um, but they're, they're prejudices, different kinds of prejudices against both. So, and I, I actually think using both forms together to help these veterans will be very powerful. So, so that's one reason I got involved because I believe in the therapy and I believe in their cause. Awesome. Do you find, um, do you have issues with insurance companies for patients that want to come for stem cell treatment or no? Yeah. Uh, it's not covered by insurance. It's not covered by insurance. I would say oh. 99% of the cases, I, I rarely would any insurance company cover it. This is oh my gosh, isn't that maddening? I'm just like, I'm just angry hearing that. <laughs> it, it's going to change and I'm working hard yeah. at changing it. I'm trying yeah. to conduct, you know, really high quality scientific research so that we can get FDA approval. Once we get FDA indication, then uh, once they see, compare the cost to yeah. how much money they save because they're helping these patients, reducing their symptoms, long-term morbidity outcome. And the insurance company can save a lot of money by investing right. a little bit of money in stem cell treatment. So eventually they can get smart. They, they will say, okay, yeah, you know, you need to do this. I, it, it's going to take a while, but. Oh my God, Joy, uh, could you take on a bigger mountain to climb? <laughs> hey. <laughs> You know, wow. before I went to Tibet, yeah. um, the guy that recruited me saying, this is a very dangerous mission. You could die because you're going to be trekking for three weeks in the Himalayas and the, the road's very narrow. You're, you're at, you know, at least 12,000. We went up as high as 19,000 feet. And so there's not very much air. And then you, you it, it's, uh, it's very um, steep. You're on the road. You know, it's like one, you know, one person uh, with. So one misstep, you can die. And I was thinking, huh, I think that's worth the risk. <laughs> if I die, then I die. You know, there's always a possibility of dying. So yeah. I've never even been afraid of death. So what do you do with a person who's not afraid of death? Right. right? My parents realized a long time ago because they used to hit me when I was a little kid. And they wanted to force me to say I was wrong. And then I decided, no. You're not going to beat me to submission. I'm just going to say I'm not wrong. And um, you can kill me because I, you know, it didn't matter. I, you know, you're not going to take my dignity away. So, so I have a different way of navigating life. So I really don't have a whole lot of fear. <laughs> wow. What would you say to somebody um, who, you know, is kind of held in place by fear? Like, what if I invest my money? What if I quit my job and invest my money and my time into this thing that would make me so happy and I fail and I lose everything? And that's enough to keep them rooted in place in a job they don't like barely it's, getting it's, by. It's, it's find your spiritual place. Yeah. I think that's the key. Um, if you know your spirit is the most important thing, everything external to you won't matter that much. I remember I traveled in India and it was very cheap to, to live there. It's very easy to live there. And I was thinking, anytime, if I, I probably in America, I just go to India. I, you know, I, I can live very easily in India. I don't need very much, you know, a dollar a day. I, I can live on a dollar a day and I'll be happy. It's, it's a happy place. So I don't, I don't care, you know, the money, it, it doesn't matter. So if you know, if you're secure that in the end, it's not going to matter because yeah. it's that you're trying to nourish. Wow. That's awesome and deep and great. And I love it. I feel like <laughs> I could just talk to you on and on and on. Let's talk. What is the title of the first book, your autobiography that you're going to have coming out? Uh, it's a lovely title. It's called The Tiger of Beijing. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. When, when do you think that's going to be out? 
that's going to be out end of August. So end of August. Yeah. Where are people going to be able to get it? Sorry. Where, where will we be able to get it? Uh, I have to talk with my editor probably on Amazon. I assume I'm not sure. Um, Amazon's nice and easy. I mean, I Amazon five times a day, you know, everybody does. It's like part of (laughs) So yeah, no, that's great. That's great. That's where you got to be. I think, you know, to get it out there and we will certainly, I'm going to ask you to promise to let me know when it's out because absolutely definitely, definitely order. And if you're listening to this and you're interested in Joy's story and learning more about her, how could you not be fascinated to hear more about what's behind? <laughs> we cannot cram this all into 45 minutes, right? But if you want to get the book and you don't even necessarily want to pay for it yourself, that's fine. I'm going to order a few extra copies. Anybody who goes ahead and leaves a review on this podcast episode and sends me a screenshot of that review, I will get back in touch with and I'll put your name on a list to send you a copy of Joy's book uh, for free. And I will do that out there because I love doing that. We love supporting our American Snippets guests and we love staying involved and especially stories like this are just important and great to hear. And your next book, you have a nonfiction book coming out on stem cells. Yes. Yes. It's on. Is that coming out? I'm hoping within, within a few months, hopefully, you know, I, I want it to be out soon. Um, so, so that's, that will be my second project. Okay, Joy. So here at American Snippets, one big driving force behind us and what we do is that it just started to really impact us and and make us upset and angry to hear all the divisiveness and all the complaining in this country and people it seems like an effort has been made to to convince people that the american dream does not exist or it is not possible for people to build their own lives and do things anywhere near what what you've done with your life and so for us especially me as a, a military widow you know my husband died in Iraq so that we could all pursue our lives and other people could too. So for me, I love seeing, love, love, love seeing people maximize the opportunities in this country. And I double love it when they give back in the way that you do and spread your energy and impact across. But I'm super curious to know when I ask you about the American dream, what does that mean to you? To me, it is about fulfilling my potential. So, you know, I, I think it's an American dream is a universal human dream. Um, everyone who has the, the good fortune of existing in the, on this planet should be able to fulfill their own potential. So whether or not you're in, you know, you're, you're, you're a woman in, in an Arab country, you know, that's, I, I think everyone has the right to fulfill their potential. Um, so America, you know, gives that freedom so that you can pursue no matter who you are. And, and that's the part that's so precious because um, in, in a lot of countries, even, even countries in China, you know, sometimes it's, it's more difficult. There's more barrier in pursuing who you think you can be. So this is, things are made so easy in this country, no matter how much problems there are, no matter wh- how much complaint there are, it is easy here. So, I mean, I, I think, I just wish everybody could, could take up this opportunity, really just go for their dreams. Um, so my dream is just to learn and grow and, and, um, and raise my, you know, kind of raise consciousness. I've, I've always wanted to be, a, a level higher than what I was. And I want to reach what could be because I know there are people who could see things more clearly. They have a greater understanding and um, they have a greater peace and 
um, just this uh, wisdom inside of them. And I, I, I always wanted to strive to, to get there. I want to know what they know. Excellent. Thank you. Do you go out and do you speak for companies, events, or is it strictly within the medical field? Uh, yes. Right now, it's, I go to a lot of medical conferences where I was invited as a speaker, but uh, I would love to start speaking more um, um, to just people in general, you know, kind of uh, inspirational speaking, because I do realize when, when I speak that people do get inspired. And I, I have, you know, I've gone through my own difficulties. It's not like, you know, things are easy for me, but I've gone through things and I've overcome. And I just think that could help a lot of people. Um, so I will, I would love to, to speak more. You know, I, I enjoy communicating with people. Excellent. So if somebody wants to reach out to you to find out about your book or get involved with your, your work you do, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, they can, they can email me. Um, they can just email me at joykongmd, M as Mary D as in David, at gmail.com. Uh, or they can go on Chara website. They can also send an email and you can try to reach me that way. The Chara website is charabiologics.com. So C-H-A-R-A, uh, biologics, B-I-O-L-O-G-I-C-S.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for all of it and for being here and taking the time to share your story with us. You're very welcome. You're a wonderful host. I enjoyed it very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone, that wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'd like to personally thank Joy Kong for being here as well. If you want to learn more about Joy, head on over to americansnippets.com forward slash 106. Check out the interview, read the full featured article that Barbara did. We'll also include some social media links to her Instagram and Facebook uh, and a link uh, that you can use to learn more about her work as well. Uh, again, Barb and I love the work we do here at American Snippets. You know, and since you're listening to this program each and every week, it tells us that you believe in what we are doing here as well. Again, our mission is to spread a message of positivity, possibility, and patriotism across this country. It's to promote the American dream and create a culture that celebrates all the freedom and opportunity we have in this country. It's about helping Americans to rediscover the greatness within themselves and within each other. So please take a moment and share our program with a friend, share it on Facebook or Instagram, and most importantly, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Because together we can make a difference, and it's small actions like these that can compound together and turn our mission into a movement. So thanks again for spending some time with us today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time.